With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. With a compelling perspective on global politics, this is The Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. All right, folks, welcome back. We're in the second hour of this live broadcast. Thank you for coming back. Great segment. I want to thank Basil Valentine and Freddie Ponton, both uh, our correspondents, for that great discussion on the ICJ ruling. A lot of great points were brought up by both Basil and Freddie. Uh, we'll definitely be highlighting that segment on our social media feeds. It was a brilliant discussion. Really appreciate that. And thank you to our TNT team for help putting that uh, together at such short notice. As it is a breaking story, I uh, also want to bring on uh, to the stage right now another special guest who's been on the program before. Uh, veteran journalist Layla Haitoum in the Middle East, joining us right now from Amman, Jordan, to talk about uh, what she's been doing with others there uh, on the side of getting aid to Gaza. This is a big problem. Everybody saw the horrific scenes of uh, Israeli settlers uh, preventing trucks from bringing aid into Gaza. Everybody saw this on television the last couple of days. Pretty incredible uh, that this is allowed to happen. So how do you get aid in? Well, there are other routes, uh, and there's people working on that right now. I want to bring Leila Haitoum uh, onto the program right now. Leila, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me again, and thank you for giving us a voice. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Just explain to us uh, this campaign uh, that you are working on right now with others. I know Sarah Wilkinson uh, and others are involved in this. Uh, very high-profile uh, Palestinian activists are pushing this campaign right now. Uh, airdrop aid for Gaza. Explain to us what this is, how it happens, and how people can get behind this effort, because it is really a public relations effort at the end of the day. It needs broad-based support, doesn't it? Go ahead ahead, Leila. Um, thank you. Well, it all started when we also basically uh, the miles of trucks lining up along the Rafah border crossing all the way back and Israelis derailing the entry of uh, humanitarian aid into uh, Gaza through the Rafah border crossing and later on through the Kerem Abu Salem crossing. Um, one of our colleagues on Twitter, because we are all activists and we all met on Twitter at one point or another, then we met in real life. Um, his name is Yussi and he launched a petition for airdrop aid for Gaza. And he started petitioning the world, world leaders, to um, go and drop aid to northern Gaza because nothing of what filters through the border crossings in the south, be it Rafah or Karim Abu Salem border crossings, makes it make its way to uh, north Gaza. And the Israelis play a dirty trick over here. They have divided Gaza Strip into two halves. The first half is basically, they call it the north. The second half, they call it the south. However, the real thing is that when they say um, aid is reaching North Gaza, it's not. It's reaching the northern part of southern Gaza. And that's the sad part. They're playing a trick to the, on the world. And what does the, that leave us with? Over 600,000 Palestinians stuck in Jabalia and Shaja'iya and other cities in the northern part of the Gaza Strip that haven't received a single aid in literally months. And the sad part, if anything filters through there, it's via the black market that rarely goes to the northern part of uh, North Gaza. And people are at risk of not only starvation, but imminent death in, the ma in a matter of weeks. We're not talking about months. So when people are advocating for ceasefire, this is great. But ceasefire might not come until two months, three months down the line. Whereas people have started dying of starvation. We saw that little baby which died showing signs of starvation according to doctors, not according to us. Now there's airdrop being... Uh, done by Jordan. It's the only country in the world that's actually dropping humanitarian aid to the ground in northern Gaza. However, when we say northern Gaza, it's in Tel El Hawa, where the Jordanian field hospital is there. And most of that aid is actually medical aid. And Tel El Hawa is southwest of Gaza, uh, Gaza City, which is basically the lower part of the northern um, uh, Gaza Strip. It doesn't make its way to Shaja'iya and Ref uh, Jabalia refugee camps and other cities in the north. So even with medication, what's the use of medication if you continue to drink um, sewage water, seawater, contaminated water, and muddied water? They don't have clean water. So they are at risk of cholera, typhoid, and other diseases, along with bacteria and other matters. And at the same time, some of them, they don't even have a proper meal per day. I'm not talking about three meals, even one meal. And um, this is what actually pushed the campaign because of the uh, time is of the essence over here. 
we can stay silent. So we came to Jordan because it's the only country doing the airdrops. We were trying uh, to plead to the, His Majesty the King, uh, King Abdullah II of Jordan and other Jordanian officials if they can actually increase the frequency of the airdrops that they're doing. So far, they have done nine. Nine airdrops, one was, uh, the last one was 48 hours ago, a day after we had arrived in Amman. And the thing is that um, each time they drop uh, aid, it's via two planes, not more. And uh, so we want to, to increase that frequency. And at the same time, we want to diversify the items that they are throwing uh, over to uh, Gaza. Uh, so we wanted to include uh, food items. And we discussed it with our boots on the ground. So we have reporters on the ground in North Gaza and in South Gaza. What do they need most? And we were always uh, asked if we can send flour, clean water, um, food items, of course, I mean, at any point. But what's most important is baby formula because babies cannot drink. Uh, flour if you mix it with water and the fourth item was that somebody asked us for jam and some people laughed because they thought this is a luxury somebody's calling for jam but then we looked into it and actually what he was asking for is not only jam if possible also dates because they need vitamin c and they need the vitamins that come from fruits and usually when you have um, lower uh, vitamin c in your body to none at all you are at risk of uh, diseases that can cause imminent death. Your body organs start shutting down, you lose your teeth, you lose your hair and other things. We discussed this with uh, the doctor syndicates in, um, in Amman yesterday and they were very, um, uh, they understood what we were wanted at one point or another. Uh, they're going to write expert opinions, um, opinion pieces basically on the diseases and ailments that the Gazans are facing because of this siege and this genocide that's being enacted against them by the Israeli occupation forces. And basically we can rely on these um, opinion pieces, it's not only opinion pieces, it's expert pieces, to tell the world exactly how these diseases happened, why they're happening and how we can stop them. So um, the thing is, uh, at one point we met with lots of officials, we met with the Minister of Information, basically now it's called the, the Ministry of uh, uh, Government Communication. We also met uh, with the political uh, leaders on the ground, um, uh, members uh, of the parliament at one point or another. We have scheduled meetings as well with other dignitaries and officials, activists on the ground, businessmen who are supporting the cause. And everybody's trying to chip in at one point or another. The only reason why Jordan is the only country that can actually drop uh, aid um, over Gaza it's because they do have an agreement with the Israelis when they first set the Jordanian field hospital in Tal El Hawa, uh, southwest of, Ga uh, of Gaza City. And in that agreement that they had a few years back, uh, they had a loose stipulation and that the Jordanians had put foreseeing what might come. And they said they should be able to uh, drop aid to uh, the hospital whenever needed. They didn't specify for what. And this actually helped Jordan enact that clause and actually start sending um, aid. What we actually, I mean, like the world should, should um, I don't know if I should say it, the world should feel ashamed at one point or another for falling short on preventing this genocide. And now it's falling short on preventing death by starvation for over 600,000 people. We're talking about near 1 million. And the world is just, just watching. Who would stop the US from sending its plane to uh, place to drop humanitarian aid? Would, they, would the American, Israelis basically shoot at the Americans? Would the Israelis shoot at the British? Would the Israelis shoot at the French? Would the Israelis shoot at their allies in the Arab world from the GCC all the way to Morocco? Why aren't they sending their planes? That's the big question. Is it because of political affiliation? They hate uh, Muslim Brotherhood, which supports Hamas at one point. Why don't we put our political differences aside? And then we basically start fixing the humanitarian situation. And the other part is like people are celebrating with the ICG ruling. But what, what does the ICG ruling say? It says that Israel should stop those who are committing uh, the genocide at one point or another, punish them. They shouldn't basically destroy evidence of the genocide happening. And they give them one month to give basically um, uh, um, uh, a report on what they have done so far. So they actually gave Israel a whole month to continue to kill Israel, the Palestinians, but in different conditions that doesn't constitute a genocide at one point or another. They didn't tell them at one point to stop the ceasefire and allow humanitarian aid in, they should say that like, people are entitled to have humanitarian aid in. There's no order in that uh, decision that was made. And people are still celebrating it. Yes, it is historic that they basically have uh, the right to, 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 to issue a ruling. Yes, it is historic in the term that they, they for, it's not forced, they ordered Israel to submit a report after one month over what it did concerning uh, the matter of genocide, but they did not go straight to the bullseye and say, Israel, you are committing a genocide, 
stop now, stop the, stop the ceasefire, and allow that humanitarian aid to get into North Gaza. They didn't. So, yeah, so this, this cease and desist the cease and desist uh, letter uh, has not arrived, um, but uh, there is there is still leeway on this. They still have Israel must, according to this, recognize Article Two of the Genocide Convention, which means they cannot continue to deprive or collectively punish or do anything that's going to harm the target uh, group in question, which is the native Palestinian population. Unfortunately, this is the legal courts. Um, it is uh, not effective in getting anything done per se. But uh, I think it's going. To, I think it's going to cause a situation uh, whereby there's going to be political pressure put uh, to bear on Israel by its allies because now the legal wheels are in motion. But uh, here's the thing about um, airdrop aid for Gaza, Leila. I mean, just the effort of trying to do what you're doing here with, with this effort, this is just going to highlight the absolute uh, ridiculous situation at Rafa, uh, where how many trucks need to come in there per day? I mean, the while they say the airdrop, the, yeah, go ahead, yeah. Leila. No, they need about 500, a minimum of 500 trucks per day just to sustain the people of Gaza living, living. Bare minimum, 500 trucks a day. Do you know how many per day comes in? Eight, seven, 11? At best, over the past month, only there was one day or two days where we had over 100 trucks, 107 trucks or so. And those barely made it to North Gaza, to South Gaza. Nothing made it to North Gaza. And even in South Gaza, not everybody got to get the aid because you have over, like, you have an influx. You have 1.3 million people now living in South Gaza because the Israelis pushed everybody down there. And the remaining few who were basically a few compared to the 1.3 million, um, they're still living in North Gaza because they know if they leave at any point, the Israelis will never allow them to go back to their land. The Israelis will never. They're starving them on purpose either starve to die, that's a genocide, or starve to the point that they are pushed out of their land, and that's another Nakba. That's a second Nakba. That's ethnic cleansing of the land. And this is what the world community, including the ICG, failed to mention. I mean, they said, like, uh, under Article 2, they cannot collectively go and kill people. So what would the Israelis do that's not collectively? They can go and bomb, basically, one, one neighborhood at a time and kill people over there. That's not collectively. That's a group, little group. But bit by bit, step by step, they will basically be cleaning up the whole of North Gaza. It's not acceptable. Well, I, was, I, I was actually on a, a large Twitter space uh, this morning with uh, Mario Nafal, and there was a, a woman named Noga who is affiliated with the uh, Israeli government, and she was saying that uh, why don't they condemn uh, Egypt and Jordan for not opening their borders to allow refugees to flee into those countries, basically advocating for ethnic cleansing. It's a, I mean, that's the Israeli position, plan, right? This has been the Israeli plan since since long time ago. Netanyahu had proposed it to Hasnim Barak at one point or another, the late uh, uh, Egyptian president. They have literally been saying it for the past four months. Be it Ayelet Shaked, the former Justice Minister of Israel, be it Itmar Ben Gvir, be it basically the radical uh, minister in, in Netanyahu's uh, government, the ultra radical, be it Benjamin Netanyahu himself, Gallant, Ga everybody. Everybody, they all agree on one thing, cleaning Gaza of its own people, throwing them to the next neighbor, be it Egypt or Jordan at one point, or the rest of the Arab world. And they've said it. And the world remained silent. So basically the ICJ ruling for me, it means nothing. It's just words. Unless there is an order that forces governments to act upon that, that's something else. The only good thing about that ruling is that it gave Yemen the green light to enact such a ruling by stopping anything that is related to Israel or those who support it in committing genocide or preventing humanitarian aid into coming into Gaza by any means possible. So basically, the ones who are now rogue in terms of international law are the Americans and the British for bombarding the Yemenis, who are literally just stopping Israeli-linked ships, not any other ship, from uh, reaching uh, basically Israeli ports until the Israelis do a ceasefire and allow humanitarian aid to reach all of the Gazans until they're fully getting medication, food, and clean water. That's a good point. So this this does give uh, Yemen uh, a little bit of backing uh, from in terms of international law. And, and more broadly, though, the, the other important thing, Leila, that this ruling does is it, it kind of... Uh, it sort of formalizes a consensus in the international community. And the consensus was we, before was, well, some of us aren't sure, some of us are against it, others are supporting Israel. 
overwhelming consensus. I mean, it wasn't like it was a close decision. Um, they've been very clear on the voting. So even the Israeli judge had to vote against Israel on some of these counts because they're blatantly obvious violations of international humanitarian law. So I think, as you said, Leila, for people like Yemen who have stepped up in defense of the Palestinians, uh, it's going to provide them with a little bit of backing on this from a moral position, from an international law position, from a historic position. And I think other countries will feel more confident to kind of move in that direction now because before they just didn't feel like they had that kind of mandate of the consensus of the global community. I think that's there now, Leila, even though we're going to have to wait years for a formal ruling on this from the ICJ. It's going to be slow to get that formal decision uh, after their investigation and the trial. But right now, we're told by lawyers, Layla, that referrals can, can be made very soon to the International Criminal Court once this reaches the UN General Assembly. Uh, there's going to be an investigative committee at the UN level. So as you said, it's frustrating, Layla. The, the, the wheels are too slow. The wheels of international justice are much too slow. What, I'm what we that need, by the time we yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm, I'm afraid that by the time we reach those referrals or the world decides to act upon it, Gazans in North Gaza would be dead by then. They don't have much time. They don't have much time. Children have started dying of starvation. They're drinking muddied water. They're drinking muddied water and it's on video. And we have reporters on the ground who are literally posting it on Twitter and on social media ac across the platforms. And the world is still doing nothing. Do you know what, what a consensus means to me under international law? Because I studied international law. It means zero or a bag full of garbage. Do you know why? We had consensus, like 15 members of the UN Security Council voting on resolutions against Israel at one point without a veto. None of them have been enacted. None of them. Four to five, basically, the one that's related to Lebanon. The thousands of resolutions that were passed because of uh, Palestine. Nothing. Nothing. So an ICG ruling that doesn't have an order or doesn't order basically the Israelis at one point or another to stop the ceasefire or basically just poke Israel in the eye and say it's actually committing genocide. It didn't say that Israel is committing genocide. It said like Israel should prevent acts of genocide. So it's, it means zilch to me. People are celebrating. I cannot celebrate. I'm sorry about that. But that's my own opinion. That's my own opinion. And uh, until basically think something happens, I will continue to advocate for airdrop aid for Gaza because the only thing that we can have at the moment is giving people food and clean water and hope so they can survive a little bit more until a ceasefire happens. That's the important thing, I think, and that's what your your campaign is all about. Uh, Leila, if people want to support this it's effort... It's not my campaign, I, by the way. I'm sorry. It's not my campaign. I have to correct you on this one. This is I a campaign for yeah. thousands. Over 30,000 people have signed the petition, and everybody's supporting us. It was started by UC. We have great people like Sarah Wilkinson, Shamin Suleiman, even Nina, Leila, who's uh, live, living in Europe, myself, and thousands of others who are supporting this, uh, the, this campaign. So I cannot call it mine. It's, it's no, no, a, I meant, a, I, I meant the, yeah. the campaign. I meant the campaign. Um, so if people want to support the campaign, uh, how can they do that? I know you have a petition uh, that you're collecting signatures for to show the overwhelming support for this. But uh, where can people find that petition? Um, that petition is found online on Change uh, website. We share it uh, every single day on uh, our Twitter handles. That's one thing. Unfortunately, some countries have opted to block that website, and I'm not uh, ashamed to basically name them on uh, online. GCC states they need to basically review their uh, um, their decisions when it comes to humanitarian aid. They shouldn't be putting political matters before humanitarian needs. And I don't know why they block this website. They claim that it's dangerous to actually browse. Everybody had signed the, 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 this uh, petition at one point. In less than two days, we had over 20,000 people signing it. Now we're approaching the 35,000 mark. Yesterday, we crossed the 15,000 mark, and then we crossed again the 25,000 mark. Now we're approaching 35,000 mark in less than 48 hours. That shows you how much it's gathering, not only momentum, but people believe that we should give people of Gaza, North Gaza especially, enough time by sending them food so they can actually outlast this genocide and a ceasefire happens. Because if a ceasefire happens and nobody's still alive, what's the use of it? What's the use? Jordan has promised at one point or another through the Minister of uh, Government Communications, he said that they will continue with the airdrop. But, but we also want more people to, to actually take part in that or collaborate with the Jordanians, help the Jordanians with the airdrops. The Western world has always spoken about humanity and human rights. 
But when push came to shove, they did nothing. They did nothing. Where are they? And then some people say like, Egypt is, is, a, is a falling short and helping out. Or for example, Jordan or somebody else. But show me one European state that actually helped the Palestinians throughout all this matter. I can tell you, I can name you the Arab countries who did something. They fell short, but they still did something. Oman closed its own airspace in the face of Israeli commercial flights, and they, they had to fly three hours extra, if not more, to go to Asia. You had countries stopping Israeli-linked ships from docking into their ports, be it in Asia or in the Arab world. You have complete boycott. Saudi Arabia stopped negotiating with the Americans over possible normalizing ties with the Israelis. What did the Western world do until now? Nothing. So let them basically poke me in the eye and go basically uh, uh, drop uh, aid over uh, northern Gaza. I would love to see them do that. They want, they only support the criminals. They're supporting the genocide. They're supporting Israel and enabling it by being silent or sending it arms to continue to kill the, the Palestinians. So for me, this is all a farce. This is all a joke. So you're saying that there is scope for if, if a country, let's take France, for instance, or even the UK, who do close military uh, operations with the, the Kingdom of Jordan, United States do as well. They could get involved in assisting and expanding the uh, aid uh, coming by airdrop from Jordan. I mean, that door is open, isn't it? Theoretically, Leila? Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, we do understand that uh, the aid that comes from Jordan, also the Israelis have to approve what's on, on the plane at one point or another. It gets searched. They have banned insulin pens for children. I don't know why. They have banned anesthesia because they want the Palestinians to continue to suffer and have amputations without anesthesia. So it's like they literally they are enjoying torturing Palestinian civilians, including children and mostly children, basically, with that. If the Americans actually fly their planes to drop aid over Gaza, will the Israelis be shooting at them? They will think twice before doing so. Same thing goes for the British. And if the Americans and the Jordanians actually collaborate on this matter, how will the Israelis react? They will not dare basically shoot at them because they will have no ally at all. But the Americans refuse that. The, 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 the British, they never did that. So they're enabling the, the Israelis to continue with their genocide against the Palestinians. And what, what's preventing the Israelis for uh, shooting at the Jordanians uh, who are doing this presently? Is there any deterrent uh, in place for that? As I said, there's an agreement between the Jordanians. It's a pre-agreement between the Jordanians and the Israelis. When the Jordanians first set uh, the Jordanian field hospital in uh, the southwestern part of uh, Gaza City, in Tal al-Hawa area. And in that agreement, the Jordanians were very smart enough to foresee the future because they know what kind of a neighbor they have. They put a loose stipulation in it. And I didn't know about that until basically uh, the Minister for Government Communications told us about it. He said that the Jordanians put a stipulation in it that says anytime there's a need for aid to be dropped, the Jordanians, the Jordanians will be allowed to drop that aid to the field hospital. And this is the only reason why the Jordanian planes can go over there. But to add a, a further insurance, the King of Jordan himself flew on one of the planes and he had his son, the Crown Prince, fly on another plane. And then he had his daughter, the Princess, Princess Salma, to fly on another plane. They acted as human shields. And people might laugh and this, this, and like say that they're whitewashing uh, uh, themselves as a PR campaign. But it's not a PR, PR campaign. If people actually followed history, the Israelis have always U-turned on their agreements and sometimes breached it. And sometimes they used to shoot at their own allies and then blame it on the other side. Who shot the U at the USS Liberty back in 1967? The Israelis literally shot at an American Navy ship and the communications that lasted for hours proved that the Israelis knew that they were shooting at an American ship and vice versa. So what bans or prohibits the, the Israelis from actually shooting at, uh, at an aid uh, plane, aid laden plane, the presence of a royalty on it, because that means an act of war. If you kill the king or the crown prince or the king's daughter at any point, that's a big thing. And I've discussed this uh, on spaces with other people. And some people's like, no, it's not going to happen. They will not shoot it. But the history of Israel is filled with treachery. It's filled with betrayals. It's filled with, with you turning on agreements or canceling agreements or breaking them and shooting at allies. So the only deterrence is basically having a royal acting as a human shield to basically protect the cargo. And medical aid, no matter how small it is that is that's being sent, or how sometimes it's insignificant to certain cases down on the ground, yet something is better than nothing. A little something is better than nothing.
and and I might add that uh, they, they could also someone could shoot uh, from Israeli military could shoot at the plane and then blame it on Hamas. Uh, I wouldn't exactly. put that past. I wouldn't put that past them either. I mean, let's just be realistic. And as you said, you pointed out a couple of good examples historically where false flags have taken place, where Israel has been involved in deception against its allies, uh, even the United States. So um, that those are important things to note. Listen, uh, Leila Hatoum, uh, airdrop aid for Gaza. That's the campaign. Uh, find it, everybody. There's a petition to sign if you want to support this. Uh, if you want in more information, it's on X Twitter. Uh, and there's a number of accounts we mentioned you can follow as well we'll try to drop drop those in the chat room at uh, tnt here Layla haitoum investigative journalist from amman jordan thank you for joining us thank you there she goes ladies and gentlemen let's take a break right now though we'll go to our intrepid legal correspondent in new york city matthew russell lee for comments on the icj case also the trump trials that are in session right now in new york in dc we'll get all that and more on the other side i'm patrick Kennington, your host stay with us we'll be right back tnt's timothy shea the race is essentially now vivek ramaswamy and nikki haley ron disappoints us will be pulling his hat from the ring next and the issue as always is why is the nikki taking so much of the left's money well maybe this will give you a little insight she credits hillary clinton with inspiring her to enter politics having attended a women's leadership summit at which hillary spoke and nikki said and i quote I then had to decide whether I was a Republican or Democrat. See, Nikki has no core beliefs other than doing whatever her globalist masters, paymasters, want her to say. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. Take us back in time. And who was Mike Flynn? He was the national security advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's gonna protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism, or you're talking about communism. Socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com Caution. You are about to, about to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio.
All right, welcome back, folks. Welcome back to this live broadcast. We're in the final segment of the final hour here. Big thank you to our previous guest, Layla Haitoum, joining us live from Amman, Jordan. Uh, Layla's on the road. She's uh, trying to raise awareness uh, for a campaign, uh, Airdrop Aid to Gaza, and that's being done uh, by the Kingdom of Jordan. And really, it's just kind of highlighting the need to open up all portals for aid, including uh, that in Rafah. There's uh, hundreds of trucks that have been denied access into the Gaza Strip because of the Israeli military has taken control over the routes into Gaza, and they're not letting aid in. They've been running a siege for over three months. Uh, this is playing into the ongoing genocide. It is an outrageous situation, but yet this is what we're dealing with. No condemnation, no pushback, really, nothing of any substance from the United States, from Britain, the world powers. Uh, they're not doing anything about it. They're basically saying, we stand shoulder to shoulder with Israel, and that's that. So meanwhile, uh, we're going to connect with our guest, uh, Matthew Russell Lee from Inner City Press. Uh, he's going to join us uh, with the latest on this. So give us a reaction on the ICJ ruling, plus what's going on with the various Trump trials uh, in the Southern District of New York, in New York City, there in the Big Apple. And uh, we'll get Matthew on. He's uh, in court as we speak. I think he's going to be coming out of court uh, any moment. We'll try to get him as soon as he's uh, available. So we'll keep an eye on that. So that's a breaking situation there. Matthew Russell Lee will be joining us uh, shortly when he gets out of the courtroom. So uh, we've heard a lot of great commentary so far on this uh, from our guests. We've had some great panelists on this. I think the overwhelming takeaway on this is going to be spun different ways depending on which media outlets that you're looking at. But the, the bottom line is that this is an interim ruling. Uh, it does recognize that a genocide uh, is taking place. It's asked Israel to stop. Uh, the International Courts of Justice doesn't have any military arm to enforce its ruling, so it is going to be voluntary. Whether the Israelis will uh, comply or not, that's another matter. Uh, so the International Court orders Israel to prevent genocide. The ICJ also demanded that humanitarian assistance be allowed into Gaza. So the way the Israelis will spin this is, the International Courts of Justice demand the release of all Israeli hostages. Well, that's that's fine. They put that stipulation in there, but uh, one mistake that the ICJ made was they're not acknowledging all the Palestinian hostages. That's a swap. That's a deal that's been on the table. Israel's rejected the deal to exchange prisoners or hostages. Israel, unfortunately, has five or 6,000 of them uh, in custody in administrative detention through their military courts. Lots of people, including children, have been abducted recently in the last three months plus over the years. Uh, they're asking for the release of those. And isn't that why uh, the Palestinian resistance factions took the hostages in the first place? Obviously, to trade to free the Palestinians and Israeli gulags. So that's a point that uh, unfortunately wasn't uh, uh, articulated well enough here. So the International Courts of Justice, this is an initial ruling. These are emergency measures, very clear. 17 judges on the court overwhelmingly agreed that Israel needs to stop its genocidal activities here. And they're demanding that Israel refrain from committing genocide as it's stipulated in the Genocide Convention. So it is implicit in this ruling that the judge panel does recognize that a genocide is taking place. They now have to take further measures in order to investigate uh, and then to come to a trial, which will happen now. That's going to happen. It's just now going to go into the legal processes. Sadly, this is going to take years. So what needs to happen politically is immediate, as Leila Hatoum was explaining to us uh, in the previous segment. So Israel must also pre preserve evidence of any genocidal acts already committed, the ruling stated. I don't think Israel will abide by that. They will just probably likely destroy that evidence as they have been doing by bombing hospitals, records offices, and just the sheer number of uh, officials that have been targeted and killed in medical facilities and UN shelters uh, and going in and basically who knows what the IDF are looking for uh, when they're going into these properties after they've been hit and destroyed uh, or made uninhabitable. Uh, so are they destroying evidence? Probably, yes, it's probably already happened. Sadly, that's just a reality. Uh, so we go on here. The judges also ruled that Israel shall take immediate and effective measures to address adverse conditions to life in the Gaza Strip. Western Jerusalem has further 
ordered to report back to the court in a month's time for an update on what it is doing to comply with these measures. So I don't think they're going to have much to report. That's just me. I'm a skeptic. That's a wild guess. I don't think they're going to have much to offer in a month's time. But what is going to happen, and I take on board what our previous guest, Layla Hatoum, said, that uh, it's given it's given a month for them to keep con- killing Palestinians and committing genocide. I, I do grant her that that is true, 100%. But this has also opened the door for more open condemnation of the state of Israel on a political level, and that might get us closer to some kind of a ceasefire agreement. This is, after all, an election year in the United States, and this is a big, big ball and chain around the ankle of Joe Biden and the Democratic uh, administration. So that's just the way it's going right now. And uh, also the ruling falls short of South Africa's full list of demands. This is important. South Africa had a full list of demands, which included the measure ordering Israel an immediate suspension of military operations against Gaza. So it doesn't say that. It's not stipulating that. So yes, I agree with Layla in on that point as well, uh, that it hasn't gone far enough, unfortunately. However, it becomes a this becomes a serious blow to Israel, to their PR machine, uh, and it demands that the court throw out the entire case. That's what Israel's saying. You must throw out the entire case. It's spurious and specious. That's what the US said as well. No warrant to this case. Uh, that's not true based on these rulings. The U.S. has to recognize this, or they're going to have to repeal uh, the supremacy clause in which they ratified uh, the genocide treaty, okay? So you you can't have both. It's got to be one or the other, talking to the U.S. here. Uh, While the ICJ's ruling, those rulings are final and legally binding, the court lacks any method of enforcement. This is true. Nevertheless, the Palestinian Foreign Ministry hailed Friday's verdict as an important reminder that no state is above the law. So it's more symbolic, uh, but it does, again, open the door for people to take more of an open stance uh, in opposing Israel on this. That's what's important. That's the main takeaway here. That's what we'd like to highlight. Um, We're going to take a break. I think we might be able to connect our uh, correspondent, Matthew Lee, in New York. We'll take a very brief break here with TNT Today's News Talk. And when we come back, hopefully Matthew Russell Lee on the other side. I'm Patrick Hanks, your host. We'll be right back. (laughs) My baby's back from the West Coast. (laughs) Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. (laughs) So long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Ah, those <laughs> beans smell heavenly. Mm-hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay, smart. I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. Patrick Henningsen and TNT. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back. We're in the final segment of the final hour of this live broadcast. We're talking about the incredible situation in The Hague that's unfolded, the ICJ ruling. I want to bring back onto the stage Basil Valentine. We will have Matthew Lee uh, just momentarily. He's just coming out of court right now uh, with a lot to share with us and more. But Basil Valentine back on the ICJ ruling. Uh, We're now told that there's some serious implications uh, on this with regards to countries that are providing weapons, ammunition to the Israelis. Basil, explain what the, uh, the the ramifications of this are. Any company, British company, any company trading out of the UK or the UK government to supply 
weapons and ammunition to any organization, be it a state actor or independent group, uh, if they are in contravention of international law, which the ICJ have determined Israel is. So all arms exports to Israel are now banned with immediate effect, or at least they should be. We do not know if the United Kingdom government's fealty to Israel, and Sunak has been one of the most sort of ardent in his support of Israel. He even refused to call the shooting of the unarmed civilians waving white flags earlier this week a war crime. Remains to be seen whether Sunak will abide by international law or not. Um, similarly, this could not be more damning for Keir Starmer, with his background in international law, um, the ICJ specifically called out Yoav Gallant's call for a complete siege of Gaza, which Starmer fully backed at the time. That was back in October, if you remember. So, I mean, really, all these people should resign in disgrace, if not uh, face criminal charges. Someone else has posted on X asking if the Labour Friends of Israel and Conservative Friends of Israel, for that matter, shouldn't now become proscribed organisations. Um, in fact, mm -hmm. there are various other Zionist fronts uh, that could be, uh, you know, banned or whatever, because you can't have organisations actively promoting genocide in a democracy. And the key point about today is that we can now call out Israel for just that. We've been talking about it since October. Until now, it was an accusation. Um, now, it's no longer an accusation. There is a legal ruling in favor of it. So all the demonstrations across the world, Europe, North America, etc., which were previously labelled as hate marches, a very deliberate attempt at smearing, as usual, uh, people calling for a ceasefire. Now those calling for a ceasefire have the full backing of the law and the moral authority behind it to step up their efforts. Um, so it. the whole, you know, the centre of the conversation has shifted significantly in favour of humanitarianism, in favour of human life and against death. It really is as simple as that, Patrick. That's a very good point. That's also something that we need to, to ram home. That's a reality. The United States is not a disinterested party either in this, along with the UK. Well, on a level, orders of magnitude, the amount of weapons, bombs, bunker busters, dumb dumb bombs, they're calling them, dumb bombs. Uh, these things have been dropping on Gaza, I think, uh, collectively, Basil, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they dropped more munitions on Gaza than both Hiroshima and Nagasaki combined over the last three-plus months. That's not an exaggeration. That needs to stop. Uh, U.S. is really opening itself up here to total pariah status in the international community by yes. backing the genocide. Yeah, if it continues to do so, I mean, it puts a lot of these uh, bought and paid for APAC talking heads on Capitol Hill in the spotlight, doesn't it? Um, uh, the, the Zionist pushback, though, is relentless. Dr. Eli David, one of the most prominent Zionists on the X platform, breaking international court of justice demands immediate release of all Israeli hostages. And the uh, spokesman in the UK, Eilon Levy, followed that up. South Africa brought an action to the ICJ seeking to end the war with the hostages still trapped in Gaza and with Hamas still in power. The ICJ wisely threw that out. Believe it or not, Netanyahu posted a few hours ago, Israel's commitment to international law is unwavering. Equally unwavering is our sacred commitment to continue to defend our country and defend our people. To which uh, Chris Doyle has added the comment, if Israel has suddenly found this great commitment to international law, it has to implement in full the ICJ provisional measures now. It also has to dismantle all settlements in the West Bank and Golan Heights. It has to stop torture. It has to stop uh, imprisoning Palestinians inside Israel. It has to stop punitive home demolitions. It has to share water equitably with Palestinians. It has to stop extrajudicial assassinations of Palestinians. It has to end the blockade and siege of Gaza. 
just for starters. So all these things are suddenly on the table. And uh, on October the 6th, they were being quietly forgotten and memory hold. Well pointed out, Basil. These are all important points that we must underline. Hopefully, you'll be shouting about these key points as well on X Twitter. If you do, I will surely retweet you straight away right now if you can relay all that on social media. Basil Valentine, intrepid correspondent, thank you for joining us. Much appreciated. Thank you, Patrick. I want to bring on to the stage, if we can, our legal correspondent from New York City, Matthew Russell Lee from Inner City Press. Hopefully, we Hopefully, we'll get him on the line momentarily. We're just bringing him up. Uh, while those points that Basil made are very poignant indeed, and this is why the broader political discussion is important here. Uh, it's not nearly by the letter of the ruling, but what are the implications of it politically? It's going to have widespread implications. And uh, what Basil said there is just really the tip of the iceberg on that issue. We're connecting Matthew Russell Lee from Inner City Press uh, momentarily. Hopefully we'll get him uh, on the line. Uh, just with, uh, hold on, we got the connection right now. Uh, let me just check with our producers. I think we have Matthew uh, on the line right now. Matthew Russell Lee, thank you for joining us. Sure, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to be late. There was no, there was no, uh, no missing it. Trump's in the Trump's in the courtroom. He actually walked out earlier today. This is the tail end of the E. Jean Carroll Trump uh, trial. And I have to say, having listened to the closing arguments, it's possible this jury could get come up with a very big number. That's the that's the pitch that Carroll's lawyers made. They said basically hold them accountable. They weaved in sort of, they said, this is not a political rally. He's a billionaire. Mar-a-Lago is worth $1.5 billion. He won't even feel it if it's something, anything lower than that. So I sort of, they brought up Rudy Giuliani and, and, and his defamation case. So things are not looking that good. At the same time, during the, the closing arguments, Trump was putting his account, let's say, not him. It's very difficult to use a phone in there, uh, was putting out stuff on Truth Social. So it's really pretty extraordinary. I have to say his his closing argument, although it was often objected to and shut down, was very much a First Amendment one. He's not responsible for what these trolls, they even said like people in their mother's basement, he's not responsible and that he has a right to defend himself just as she does. Of course, the, the Carroll people came back and said, this is he's the abuser. She has a right to speak her truth. You saw how he behaved in court. I think that's, I have to say, that's why I'm glad I've had to cover the case so closely is because even his courtroom, quote unquote, behavior, like he did walk out and he did speak loud. He, I'm surprised he didn't more directly confront the judge. And the judge ends up to many people, at least the people responding, looking like, like, like he, he's the one who tamed Donald Trump. And if the number is large, they're going to say Judge Kaplan, Roberta Kaplan, the lawyer, and E. Jean Carroll you know, somehow tame Donald Trump, but will it tame him no matter what the number is? You know, and, and again, maybe there's some jurors that won't do it. Sorry, go ahead. When you say a large number, a very large number, give us a ballpark figure, Matthew. What kind of large number might that be? See, I'll tell you, they didn't put any number on it. The, the compensatory damages, they had two components. They said 12 million to repair her reputation, 12 million to harm to her professional career, and then an untold number of punitive damages to make sure he never does it again. And they used quotes he said in one of the videos that they showed to the jury, I've said it thousands of times and I'll say it thousands of times more. I don't know her. She's a whack job. She's sick. So this is a problem because they're saying he's promised to continue doing it. And the only thing he understands is money. They said he didn't come to the first trial because it was just about guilt. But he came to the second trial because it was about money. He understands money. Hit him where it counts. I, I think all of these things could give rise to an appeal. I think that the judge was so intent on shutting the lawyers down and making them look bad in front of the jury. She said he said things like Miss Haba, you know, you might be in the lockup if you keep up with that. So I can see they do they have grounds they have some good grounds to appeal. It made me think, I know that you you you'd earlier said and you've probably talked with Basil and I and this was no disrespect calling in late about the ICJ decision. I for some reason I can't help in my mind, in my feverish brain, um somehow Okay, I, I don't know what you've said about it. What I'll say about this, I'm not sure what impact it's going to have. And I'll also say that after the ICJ announced its decision, the UN quickly announced that seven UNRWA staff took play, took part in the attack. I think this is called data dumping. This is called like, I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not putting down the ICJ. I, I believe in the rule of law, but I think 
take think of these two similar things. These are let's say a big number is announced here, and it could happen this afternoon. What impact? It's going to be big news, but what impact is it going to have? And it, the irony there is that it's putting Trump and Israel in the same position. And I know that I know your position. I believe on the Gaza conflict, and I, I'm you have a more ambiguous position on the Orange Man. But I'm asking you. I'm going to write something about this over the weekend because it's 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 interesting to have these kind of well-publicized court proceedings holding to account a raging bully, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you think? What Do you see any similarity between these two courts and these two uh, defendants? Well, one is civil and one is uh, criminal. So uh, so uh -huh. they are slightly different. But what is so, Matthew, Which what is do you think? Which is criminal, though? This is civil well, here, too. Well, what, what, what would the... It, what would number would it take for Trump to stop tweeting about it? Like, what would it be? 50, 60? I don't see, I, I don't see him stopping tweeting. I don't think there is a number because I think he will appeal it. And I think too big a number would be knocked down on appeal. So this game is not over. Um, yeah, the, the, this, by the way, you'd asked about the DC case. And what I want to say is you may have already just addressed it, but the, 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 the sort of more important uh, uh, insurrection, quote unquote, case in DC Trump world is making much of Judge Chutkan scheduling another trial for April of, a, of a, a much lower profile January 6th defendant, implying that she knows that the Trump trial cannot go forward in that time frame, which is very good for him, obviously. Things are actually going very – he tweeted his campaign numbers. He truth social, excuse me. He truthed his campaign numbers in Ipsos <laughs> poll in the middle of the closing arguments. I'm not kidding you. You can look at the timing. I live tweeted the whole thing. It's been a whole experience. I'll tell you about another time. But a lot of I've been getting a lot of a lot of Trump haters saying right on, baby, just because they like what's being said in court. You know, of course, the Trump, the other people. I don't know. The, the mood seems to have changed. I see the Trump supporters, at least of this in this trial, being less ebullient about Judge Kaplan's shutdown. So that it's going to again, I don't want to predict it. Maybe there'll be a juror who says. Right on. First Amendment, baby. So there was the key component. This happened about 20 minutes ago. Habba said the First Amendment means he can say what he wants. They said objection. And the judge said sustained. I think that's a I'm going to post that on the wall. It's incredible. And of course, he had a legal reason to meaning like you can't hide behind the First Amendment. But the idea that you're going to object to the First Amendment and get it, get it, get it sustained, I think, says everything that you might want to know about this particular trial. Very interesting. It might have some uh, implications going forward as a precedent of sorts uh, for these types I of defamation so. he could, cases. He's pushing the envelope. He's pushing Touch. the envelope of the First yep. Amendment. That's for, that's for sure. And I'm glad no. to be here because I'm a First Amendment. If there's nothing that, that there's nothing there's nothing I like better than 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 the idea of people trying to control what you say. I mean, there's nothing You're I like more than confronting it. Matthew Russell Lee, a real free speech absolutist. Unlike some people who claim to be, he actually is one. Thank you well, for joining I've us. I've suffered for it. That's the one, that, <laughs> which is rare in the United States. It's, it's hard. It's hard to be a, a free speech victim in the. I mean, other than cancel culture, but I was actually physically I, rubbed up and thrown out for it. Inner City Press, yes, follow Matthew Russell Lee on Substack as well. Do support his work. Thank you to Leila Haitoum. Thank you to Syrian Girl, Freddie Ponton, Basil Valentine. We've had an incredible program today. Great week. I'll take care of you guys. Have a good weekend. I'll see you on Monday, same time, same place. Be there. Take care. Take care.